the real need to support people's skill shifts in using these new technologies, so whether they be AI or other types of tools that, that are coming to the fore, job roles themselves are dramatically shifting and changing. And as learning professionals or as people professionals, we really do need to help people make that transition on a regular basis. It's, it's not a one-time process. It's a sustained shift in the way in which we are working. The nature of work is fundamentally changing as a result of that. Today we're going to be talking about the current trends in HR tech and learning and development landscape. We'll look at where organisations are investing and what you can do now to invest in your people's skills. We'll discuss how you can build a talent experience in your own organisation and reflect on ways to avoid a downward L&D spiral. My name is Matt Lineker, I've got a keen interest in how technology affects learning and how to make best use of technology to deliver positive learning and development outcomes for organisations. I'm joined by Lars Highland, the Chief Learning Officer at Totoro. Lars is a seasoned expert in learning technology with over 30 years of experience. He's worked with various international organisations and educational institutions. Hi Lars. Hey Matt, how are you doing? Sensationally well, as always. Thanks for joining us today. This series, we're going to be looking at learning and development and HR professionals from organisations all over the world. We'll dig into what they're doing in their own organisations to drive performance in an ever-changing landscape. We'll ask questions like, how can you best skill up your workforce, keep them motivated and allow your teams to thrive? We'll look at what works and what doesn't, and we'll try and do this with as much of a human element as possible. So, with that human element in mind, let's join our first human. Lars Highland. Um, so Lars, you spend a lot of time thinking about current trends in L&D and the HR tech. And in your research at the moment, what have you seen? Oh, there's lots going on in our sector. There always has been over the years, um, you know, having been involved in learning technology for many years, as, um, as you well know, um, you know, the technology has moved greatly. And yet a lot of our approaches to learning and performance support and, and the way we help people move their behavior at scale has really not moved as quickly as it should really so um, but the current trends now as we enter a, I think a fresh sort of revolution of technology really impacting the workplace and society as a whole is that we are getting much closer I think to focusing on what matters which is that we need to be measuring the effectiveness and the impact of our learning investment and that's really crucial I think in um, in the workplace we've got employees that need upskilling at a ever faster rate and um, the, the pace at which all business sectors are, are affected is only increasing and yet we've got lots of challenges economic challenges at a societal level um, and right down to our individual companies and teams about around budget constraints and yet there's lots of expectation around us as individuals in the workplace needing to, to be better at what we do, more productive and perform it consistently at high levels. Yeah, thanks, Lars. And I think that, that first point, the ability to measure the effectiveness or the impact of learning investment, and that's something we're going to be looking at in this series and talking to lots of different organisations about exactly how they measure their impact and, and what they're doing to achieve their outcomes. Um, but you talked there about uh, budget constraints and, and problems that organisations or economically people are facing. Where are organisations putting their budgets at the moment? Where is it making the most impact or, or where do people feel confident? That's very interesting, Matt, because there's 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 obviously the pressures that I think we feel individually within our L&D teams across the board. But when you look at the surveys and you look at the market trends that uh, L&D teams as a whole are, are, are projecting, they're, they're actually looking to, and, and, and reporting that there will be increased access to budget. 
for learning and development, which is interesting. It's up uh, up to around 41% increase. Plus, at the top item that the spend is targeting is HR technology. So I think this is a reflection of the increasing use of technology and, and embedding it very firmly into the heart of how we approach um, supporting people at work. I mean, we're using technology increasingly in all our job roles. Job roles themselves are really radically changing um, as a result of that. And so harnessing smartly technology to support that well will have an impact, a really positive impact on outcomes if we can if we can really um, hone in on the right design approaches, the right mix of technologies, the right types of platforms and other types of tools that are now increasingly available to us. And do you think there's an obvious reason as to why spending is up in those particular areas? Well, I mean, one way of looking at it is that historically it's too low. And so there's an element of it going up from a relatively low base. But it's certainly uh, a recognition, I think, by uh, more senior C-suites, your leadership teams, that the way in which you support your people in the workplace really matters. It makes a huge difference to productivity and performance. And L&D teams are also really working hard to align themselves to to the business dialogue, the, you know, the language, the needs that are, are apparent there to respond to these, the, you know, the uncertainty that's out there, the sort of pivots that are needed to really stay competitive as an organization. And your people, your, the skills mix that they have has to keep pace. So learning and development and the wider HR uh, community within an organization play a, a huge role in that. And I, th- I think that needs more recognition. Um, there's a lot of work to be done there still, but but I think leadership teams are also recognizing that and looking towards their L&D teams to speak the language of business, to align their recommendations towards making that those performance shifts. And, and to do that, you really need a better way to focus on outcomes and to really align around those performance metrics. Something that we've probably seen in the past and maybe you've, you've experienced it in different organizations that you've worked in is that L&D teams can maybe feel siloed, that they're sort of left alone and, and that they're trying to do everything all by themselves. And you mentioned there that the L&D teams perhaps trying to do, have more impact on the business outcomes. Are you seeing that happen more and more in different organizations? It depends on which organizations you're looking at and which sectors. I think different, different sectors are at different places there um, or within, within sectors different organizations uh, have reached a stage of maturity around their approach to uh, supporting their people and their use of technology. Um, but there are there are some shifts. I mean, I think, you know, recognizing that your organization isn't, isn't just exclusively your employees, for example, and how you support and communicate and educate across your wider ecosystem of stakeholders. And that includes, you know, your supply chain, it includes your um, partners um, when you're reaching out increasingly you know doing business is very collaborative um, totra ourselves we're very much an example of that working in partnership right across the world um, and that also that includes your uh, resellers or even your customers you know in actually helping align and educate and support their ability to leverage whatever your products and services are more effectively you know that builds loyalty it builds competitiveness and um, you know it, it 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 sort of reinforces an innovation cycle that's really necessary now in this exponential age if we like to call it um that we're living in now you know things are changing at such a pace that that this you know pretty much every 
certainly every month something radical seems to be happening you know it could be we could be saying it's every week now and uh, the pace at which that is evolving is only only going to grow just looking a little bit more at some of the different trends that are happening at the moment do you think since this year in particular in 2023 there's any larger trends that are happening in in the workplace yeah so i mean i just touched on the idea of of looking at wider audiences so looking at the extended enterprise i think that's increasingly on on the agenda and added to the roster if you like of what lnd teams can support on there are other shifts it seems as well that the need for learning and development and support of these types of audiences is decentralized it's not necessarily just in one part of an organization it can actually split down into multiple areas so the expertise and skills required to deliver an effective learning experience or shifts in performance um, to an audience is only is is, is right across right across the business um, as a result i think that's why you know maybe when we look at budget and, and trends and that budget collectively may, may be up but maybe it's split down into separate separate areas overall the cipd here in the uk is reporting that lnd headcount is expected to go up and, and likewise budget going up but with a higher expectation and workload so that that that's a, that's a balancing act that's quite tricky um, to, to to handle um, there's definitely again a shift from just focusing on the inputs like you know order taking shall we say from from other parts of the business and doing um you know training courses that may not really be linked in linked to a specific performance outcome you know those questions are now being much more firmly asked you know around the outcomes that you're looking for and it's you know the L&D teams would do well to 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 really ask why um, they're being asked to deliver certain types of learning um, and support because if it's not firmly attached to an organizational outcome then it's it's difficult to really see what the return on investment is going to be staff retention is really high it's a really top people priority uh, as is uh, reinforcing collaboration and connection across an organizations particularly as we're still we're very much in a in a remote first hybrid culture it's still bedding in. We're still learning uh, overall as to how that is evolving. And, and despite the fact that there are some specific trends to try and bring people back into central offices, the, the desire and the need to be able to communicate and make decisions collectively at a distance um, is really critical to, to moving at pace, moving at the speed of business, as, as, as some, some analysts call it. And a vital role in that is line managers. They're a critical part of the mix here. And there's a nucleus of a team and how teams themselves communicate across the business is really, really critical to, to the success of that organization. So how do we better support managers and team leaders and teams as a whole to really be productive and perform well and tap into the, the learning and skills development opportunities that are around them? We were just talking a little bit there about the shift from input to outcome. Uh, and we did a, a webinar recently in, in our Toyota community where we were talking about making a shift from just generating more and more training content to trying to have more performance consultative conversations. And Stacey Swindon, who did that uh, webinar with us, was saying you have to ask why at least five times and it takes 100 cups of tea to get to the answer that you need. So I wonder how you feel about that, the answer of asking why at least five times before just creating content or, I don't know, a learning solution. Depends what you mean by a learning solution. Yeah, I mean, that's a very well-known technique, isn't it? To sort of get to the heart of what 
is really driving the questions or the or the the, the, the need for change. You know, it's it's very easy to to just take a surface level um, knee jerk reaction to say a request to you know deliver some training. Um, you know, yesterday when when in fact the root cause problem may be something completely different it could be uh you know that you really need to make an improvement to a particular process or or a system that people use so those techniques and there's plenty of other types of models and techniques that that would really help um lmd teams guide the conversation i think it's a two-way conversation you know as as, as lnd teams they need to understand the business drivers. Equally, the business side needs to understand what is an effective response and support uh, approach to deliver the outcomes that they're asking for. So, you know, I, I think that you can characterize this as breaking out of a, the, a very traditional downward, almost yeah, downward L and D cycle, where where it's there the, the there isn't a clear recognition of where the ROI is coming from, from the training investment that's being made. It leads to um, budgets getting continually cut. Um, there's a blanket approach to the way in which the, the, the training is delivered to people. You know, one size fits all. Well, no, it doesn't. One size fits no one. Um, and you get stuck with systems that perhaps are just, you know, have virtual tumbleweed blowing through them that no one's really engaging with them. So you end up with just sort of you just default right back to right. What do we have to do? You know, the regulatory, the compliance agenda is very real. It's needed, but you know, um, being effective in in your chosen market um, and having your people be highly effective and, and competitive is you know several steps above that clearly, and it makes uh, makes it really challenging to 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 target talent to attract talent into your organisation if you don't have a good reputation for supporting your people well and yeah you can you can find yourself stuck in a rut as i say a downward sort of cycle so what we want to do is break out of that and move to a much more positive proactive model and that that model itself is where we live now you know i think as i've already alluded to you know that increased focus on measurable performance outcomes is critical if we do focus on that and we can generate measurable results then those results lead to rising credibility for the team um, and their their impact on the wider business there's a clear roi that continually gets reported there's you know that that credibility means you can you can ask those those five whys more regularly and with more um, you know, get to the heart of what really will impact and, and make a difference to to that or to the organisation and and the people and, and and their ability to perform well. Uh, so it means you move the mindset, the leadership mindset, from seeing L and D and training and and the wider HR function as a sort of necessary cost centre to one that is actually a business driver for positive change. And once you get there, I think that's where you see really rapid innovation across organizations you know they they when they get there when they achieve that status or that that culture huge huge benefits can be derived just earlier when we were talking about um market market trends Lars, you mentioned staff retention as well i know you're just talking there about moving away from it at the downward cycle and how to break out with that but obviously with with staff retention is there a secret source is there a way to keep your top talent and and always uh, keep on improving and investing in people it's a good question because that 
when you when you look at the research around what motivates people at work you know there's 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 an underlying um, sort of theory around self-determination theory which i think many listeners hopefully are aware of and that was popularized by uh, daniel pink in a book called uh, drive and that's about 12 years ago now but it's very relevant still and he he characterized and popularized it as um as three three legs of a stool really that support motivation uh, in the workforce and that's mastery autonomy and purpose so mastery being the ability to continually develop your skills and feel like you're making you know um you're mastering them you're, you're getting better you're making more of a contribution um, autonomy itself that's closely linked because you have the environment in which to make a contribution and, and that you feel listened to you can challenge safely you can you can really um, exercise those skills um, to, to the best of your ability and that you're doing that in with a purpose you're doing that with with um, a focus um, and a shared vision if you like with the organization or or the team that you're working with that aligns with your own perhaps personal and professional values if you get all of that right and it all does line up then it typically points to a high performing team member one that will will stick with you you know they'll, they'll be valuing the environment that you're in and at Totra, we, we, we're thinking deeply about this and, you know, we're thinking about what does a unified talent experience mean? And, you know, it, it's a, it needs to be a virtuous cycle of support and activity that includes learning opportunities, that includes collaboration with others, includes regular deliberate practice and feedback on what you're what you're doing. So it requires a shift, I think. And again, I mentioned the, the critical role of, of managers and team leaders that they they adopt a coach mentor type of culture here, where where they are really uh, empowered, if you like, to support their people well and guide them to be um, you know to, to deliver the best results um, for themselves, for the team, and for the wider organisation. And uh, yeah, I mean, learning in its own right, just doing that on its own, not not sufficient collaborating with others without without sort of the foundational supports and, and and shared understanding and shared knowledge doesn't work on its own equally um, ill-focused feedback or mistimed feedback on its own doesn't work you need those three legs of a stool to really come together and align and if if, if you can achieve that and if you can use the right types of tools to support you in that then i think you know a, an organization is far more likely to um to to sustain a culture of, of continuous improvement and and, and and really deliver on on their organizational goals and be more adaptable in the environment that we, we all find ourselves in you know when, when you're being asked to do different things every week uh, there are lots of changes of direction that you need to to respond to and if you um, were able to offer a piece of advice, Lars, if, if someone came to you right now and said, Nick, I'm, I'm working in L&D, I feel like we're doing great work, but I feel like it's not really making a, a difference, or I can't prove that it's making a difference to my organisation. Is there a single piece of advice or maybe a series of steps of advice you could give to try and make that um, team work better for the organisation or at least demonstrate or showcase how they are working to improve the organisation? This might sound facetious, but it, it, in that 
I think we might overcomplicate things sometimes, you know, and it goes back to what you were saying before, you know, asking why. Simple question, isn't it? But when you ask it and ask it repeatedly, you often get to the heart of really will make a difference. And often those those things can remove layers of complexity of, of what you're being asked to produce. Um, you know, building training that is answering the wrong problem or isn't actually even addressing the real problem it won't have an impact, will it? It's uncoupled from the underlying um, issues that you're trying to address. So it, it, it's it's really critical that we get close to the business, really drive in and understand, you know, what is the performance issue that we're trying to address here? You know, is it a learning one? Is it an environmental thing? Is it a tools? Is it the processes that they're operating with? Is it a cultural thing? Is it a motivational thing that's some for some reason you know driving a challenge to to the issues and that that's when you you can really shape the the design of any and the mix of support that you're going to provide um and any any one item of those could be and usually is relatively simple you know you can deconstruct it down to much simpler components that collectively have much greater impact Thanks, Lars. One of the shifts we've seen well, in the last maybe year, perhaps perhaps longer, um, is the rise of artificial intelligence and uh, increased use of tools to create content uh, a lot quicker than before. And I wonder how you think um, L&D teams in particular um, can utilise, but also creatively think about how to use AI or what it means for L&D, really. Well, it's the, it's the big question of of the past 12, 18 months, isn't it, where, where this has really broken through into the mainstream. Um, AI, is, is we're talking about it a lot. Um, good many people are now experimenting with it. There is a big focus on generative AI as uh, uh, and, and the large language models that are now available for, for some of them free, um, some more effective ones you pay for. But how you actually integrate that into a workplace environment and that comes with lots of considerations, which is things I think are still being worked through. Um, and when we look at the Gartner hype cycle, for example, you can see that generative AI and HR is right at the heart, right at the top of that that cycle. Um, and we we need to be careful that um, we don't tumble down and, and and misapply this type of technology. So, for example, um, you can you can do a lot of uh, good things with generative AI to sort of support your gener your creation of, of learning content if you're asking the right types of questions. Um, there's a real risk though that we end up producing more of the wrong content just more quickly and we end up with um, just because it's cheaper and faster to produce doesn't mean it has any any real impact on the on the end uh, recipients so we've got to be careful there um, equally your ability to to get accurate answers well that's always improving frankly you know the hallucinations that you read about or see or if, if you experimented yourself you can you, you can you can design that away by prompting better and using better versions of the tools but it's just a matter of time you know uh, these are moving quickly you know they in terms of improving their accuracy and capability so we, we will see more of this being implemented in into um into the ways in which we support people yeah that danger of just having more and more content i think um it's a phrase infobesity where you just have far too much information um 
And I think employees would just feel completely overloaded, completely confused, and probably tired, as opposed to feeling engaged and productive. And it's a real danger, actually, just of overloading platforms with just endless content. Well, it links back, doesn't it, to actually asking the right question and really driving into what is the type of support that is going to be most meaningful and supportive for for for, for people it isn't necessarily endless content. It you know very short, sharp, maybe targeted pieces of content delivered at the right time and moment of need. That's when you get maximum impact. Great. Well, thanks, Alex. I think today um, we've talked quite a lot. If you want to just summarise again some of the key points about the trends that you're seeing in in the marketplace at the moment. Yeah, so there is increased interest in smarter, I think, adoption of technology and to support people. Um, so how you're using HR technology, how that can can really enhance um, and drive productivity and performance is, is, is increasingly focused. And I think that's, and the budget is, is, is going there more, more and more. Um, the real need to support people's skill shifts um, in using these new technologies, so you know, whether they be AI or other types of tools that, that are coming to the fore, you know, your job roles themselves are dramatically shifting and changing. And we, in, in as learning professionals or as you know, people professionals, we really do need to um, help people make that transition on a regular basis. It's it's not a one-time process. It's it's actually you know a sustained shift in the way in which we um you know need to uh, are working you know the, the nature of work is fundamentally changing as a result of that so yeah there's lots going on um it's exciting i think it's exciting for all of us who've been working in this uh, space of learning technology and performance support for for some time and it's it's i find it really really exciting that we've got a renewed focus on on outcomes, a renewed focus on bringing all of these key elements that we now know about, we know more about from the research that, that's available to, to us all, that we will deliver much more successful support mechanisms and support experiences for people to, to really make the, the improvements they need to see across their teams and organisations. So yeah, it's exciting times, it's uncertain times, but it's definitely definitely going to be a fun ride well let's all get um get our seatbelts on so thanks very much Lars for talking to us today it's been a great to be able to understand what's happening in the L&D marketplace especially in the HR tech world as well so thanks for your time today um it's been great to catch up and in the next episode we'll be talking to some organizations that are trying to implement some of these strategies in their own workplaces thanks Lars been good to talk to you You've been listening to Totoa Talks Talent, a series which goes behind the scenes with learning and development and HR professionals to understand how they use technology to meet meaningful outcomes for their people and organizations. Toto creates talent development software to create lasting employee success. You can learn more at Toto.com or join our community of learning professionals at Toto.community to share ideas and collaborate. Thanks for listening.